The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey everybody and welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. This is Katie Weaver. And I'm here with my co-anchor and partner in crime and sister, Christy Brower. Hello. Hello. Hey, everybody. So excited to be here with another, I don't know, pretty special story we're telling tonight. I love this story a lot. I've been way down the rabbit hole. Yeah. But before we get into it, how are you? How's it going? Uh, I'm really good. Really good. You know, almost clear of the coronavirus. That's always a nice thing. And I'll tell you. My big win for today, and any of you that are diabetic or keto are going to understand this, but I was in the store and I discovered, if you don't know what Lily's chocolate is, uh, go mm. look it up because Lily's is stevia and erythritol sweetened chocolate. They have revolutionized the lives of diabetics and keto people. Mm-hmm. They have three kinds of holiday chocolate chips this year. That is so cool. I bought them all. So yeah, yeah you did. I was super excited about it. I immediately texted Katie and our sister Kara pictures. Mm-hmm. Like, you better get to Walmart <laughs> before these are gone. Because you just don't know when you don't. Yeah. When you can't eat any of the mainstream stuff, when holiday things come around, it's a real bummer because you can't mm-hmm. get, you know, stuff that you like or that you're used to or whatever. And that's yeah. exactly how, you know, it's been feeling. And then I discovered these holiday like white chocolate peppermint and butterscotch, which you could not get sugar-free butterscotch chocolate chips mm-hmm. anywhere. And then, Ever. then, yeah, and then a chocolate caramel. So, well, so, I'm so excited. Caramel. My Walmart does not carry Lily's, so I'm going to have to come down to yours because oh, yeah, they don't. Ha- they have a different brand of sugar-free chocolate chips, and oh, they're okay, but they don't melt like Lily's good. do. Mm-mm. Yeah, Lily's yeah. melts appropriately, you yes. know, and this other brand, no. Nah. So yeah. Anyway, well, very good. How exciting. Yeah, so that was my win for the day. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I actually, I took myself to town, which only, you know, th- this is ridiculous, but I never drive. And it, it's not that I can't drive and I have a nice car, but I just, uh, if anyone else is with me that even has a learner's permit, I'm definitely going to make them drive. I just don't, <laughs> I just don't like to. And so, you know, my kids are constantly like, yeah, mom doesn't, she doesn't drive. And I'm like, I freaking drive. Yes, I do. <laughs> Not when <laughs> so you're today, with Right. So today I got in my car and took myself to town. That's right. Well, good job. I went to the vet to get uh, seizure medicine for Skippy. Oh, good job. <laughs> so exciting. So at the vet, it was so sweet. As I was walking out, this lady was walking in and she had a laundry basket with a towel over it and you could just see under it, these little tiny uh, ch- looked like chocolate lab puppies, little brown oh. puppies, tiny. And as I got to the car, she parked next to me and mama was sitting in the front seat. 
So she had ridden clear to the vet and they left her and took the baby's in, probably for dew claws. They're about that age. Anyway, my mom was sitting in the car just watching her puppies go into the vet and she was just looking real concerned. It was really sweet. Poor thing. (laughs) I hope they were super quick in there. Yeah. Yeah. So it was it was very nice. And then I so I had to go to the post office. And I went to the post office and the parking lot was packed. And I'm like, oh God, no. You know, we COVID is so bad in my town. I'm like, I'm not standing around all these people. So I thought, I'll go to the pharmacy and come back. So I went to the pharmacy and I came back. And the parking lot was more packed than when I came <laughs> left the first time. Oh no. So then I thought, I'm just gonna sit in my car and drink coffee for a few minutes and let this line go down. Yeah, no. It was clear out the door, getting longer and longer. And finally, I'm like, okay, stupid. You have to get out of the car. (laughs) You're going to have to stand in that line, which I did. Uh, And it moved faster than I was, you know, I, it it wasn't horrible. But anyway, yeah, I just kept putting it off. I thought you're going to sit here till five o'clock and the post office will be closed. (laughs) And you will never have gone in. (laughs) (laughs) I've been waiting for the line to go down. (laughs) That's funny. Anyway, 1st of December in the post office looks like that. So oh, that's a big yikes. Yeah. Not, yeah. never a fun place in December. Never, ever. Mm-mm, no. So someone needs to start printing labels at home and not go in there anymore. Right. That's my thought. Yeah. I think you're correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. But anyway, so yeah, it's been a, just a pretty good day here. Just, you know, doing basic things. I nice. discovered that McDonald's has a... Uh, French vanilla latte, a sugar-free French vanilla latte that Ooh, really nice. doesn't suck at all. Yeah. Nice, nice. I know. So look at this girl. She took herself to town. She got a latte, you know. Drove her own car. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. <laughs> Drove my very own car. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, our case today was suggested by a listener. So thank you, Erica, for that. Uh, I love this case. I can't quit. I have studied it until um, we're going to do our I, very best. Ugh. This is our, a very confusing case. Also, we are Americans mm-hmm. and we know nothing about um, British monarchy. Monarchy. <laughs> and we're doing our best to learn. Ago, so mm-hmm. this is what some people deem the original cold case. One of the oldest cold cases that we know of. This case purportedly happened somewhere around the summer of 1483. So this case is 500 years or more in the making. Yeah. And it is full of all of the components you would want in a case. It it, it totally is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Murder, intrigue. Mm hmm. Marrying one sister, you know, things like that. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of controversy. Yes. Mm -hmm. So we're going to start in the, before, in a well, that really that whole like 50 years leading up to this time was a period in time that was known as the War of the Roses. Okay. Okay. And the War of the Roses was really one family that had split into a couple of different factions that believed they had claim to the throne in England, the British throne. And they basically were doing serious battle with each other. I mean, this was like, it was like the equivalent of the Civil War in the United States. Mm -hmm. You had family members 
you know, brothers against brothers, cousins against cousins. It was really ugly. It was actually just a really dangerous and pretty shitty time in English history because uh, it was so dangerous. And anyone who had a legitimate claim to the throne had a serious target on their back because these folks were really going to stop at nothing to be able to be the ones in charge. So, and power had kind of gone back and forth and back and forth. And so we find a time where, and I'm going to work really hard to get all of the names correct because this is really challenging. Okay. So we get to a time where Edward the fourth is the king and his wife is Elizabeth Woodville. And Edward the fourth had two sons. Edward V and Richard, Duke of York. And these uh, sons were, at the time, they were about 12 and 10 or 12 and 9, depending on what you read. Mm -hmm. And Edward uh, IV died unexpectedly. He hadn't been the king for very long, and he died unexpectedly. Well, his brother, Richard of Gloucester, Gloucester? Gloucester. 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 Uh Uh-huh. He was then the guardian of these boys and basically had been left in the will by the king as the protector of England. And he was supposed to be the guardian and protector of these children. Mm -hmm. Well, he and some of the other uh, dignitaries felt like 12 years old was too young to assume the throne. So they were working out what was going to happen to uh, it, it, with the kingship in the meantime. Mm-hmm. Well, the queen felt like, no, uh, this is his birthright and he absolutely will be taking the throne. Mm-hmm. And so she had arranged for a coronation for Edward V. And that was coming right up. Well, in the meantime, the uncle, Uncle Richard, he, and again, a lot of the history here was written about 100 years later yeah. by Shakespeare and a couple of other people. And they, uh, they really right. yeah, Shakespeare, yeah. Yeah, they really villainize Richard. And there's not a lot of, you know, there, there's a, a fair amount of evidence. When he was a duke, he was actually beloved mm-hmm. and, you know, was considered to be a very fair and even-minded uh, ruler that was really good to people. And so, you know, there, there's some thought here that perhaps uh, his memory was really tainted by the Tudors who come at, came after him that they wanted to, uh, you know, that, that took over the throne after him, that they, these were their attempts because, you know, what's the old adage that history is written by the winners, yes. you know? Yeah. So everything we know, you know, we kind of are taking with a grain of salt, but well, what- and you gotta remember that Shakespeare just wrote plays. He didn't, he wasn't a historian, you know, I mean, the, the mm-hmm. stories that he, that, you know, King Richard, the third, that the play that he wrote, kind of has been taught as history but there's no indication that he actually wrote it as history we just sort of use that as oh this is what happened then but he also didn't live anywhere near the time that Richard III did so right right uh he and Sir Thomas More both uh yeah 
wrote quite a bit about him. And again, they were friends of Tudor's and, and there's some mm-hmm. suspicion there that really what was said about him was quite unfair, but anyway, it's, uh, it's all good. But so with all of that being said, right before our young King was supposed to be, cor- you know, have a coronation for him, like the day before or within a couple of days before, Something happened that cast doubt on his claim to the throne. Yes. What it was is a document known as Titulus Regis. So what Titulus Regis basically says is that it it tracks whether or not you have uh, a legit claim to the throne. Here's what he said. What Richard III claimed was that there was a pre-contract for his brother to marry someone else. He didn't end up marrying that that person. He married Elizabeth Woodville. Mm -hmm. But because he had a contract of marriage with Eleanor Talbot, that nullified the uh, marriage between Elizabeth Woodville and Edward IV. And so the children then were declared bastards and did not have a right to the throne. Right. And that happened like literally within days of the coronation. Right. Uh, Because it was um, to stop the coronation. uh Uh-huh. Some history says it happened the day before the coronation. Some history says, you know, within a few days. But at any rate, that's what happened. Well, in the meantime, When their dad died, these two princes were moved to the Tower of London to be kept safe. So they were living in uh, chambers in the Tower of London where they were being cared for by, this gets even more confusing, but I'm going to try. They were being cared for by Margaret Buford. Mm -hmm. Margaret Oh, Beaufort. Yeah. Yeah. Buford. Beaufort. Yes. And her husband was the caretaker of the tower at the time. So that's who was taking care of these boys. Unfortunately, she also had uh, some motive to hurt these boys because her son also had a potential claim to the throne. So there's a lot of issues here. So. Anyway, after Titulus Regis is declared and the boys are declared bastards, basically Richard assumes himself as the king. He basically places himself on the throne with the help of some other dignitaries that uh, make it so. So he becomes the king. And uh, people aren't very happy about it. There's a lot of rumors about, you know, was that correct? And should that have happened? And was that fair? And but it's what happened. So that year, September of that year is the last time that anyone could recall seeing those two boys. They just disappeared. No one saw them again. So royal children would not just poof into thin air, you know. Well, particularly because even though they were declared bastards of the throne, Richard was still their legal guardian. Right. You know, he was still in charge of them per se, but they just vanished. And so rumors started flying that he had killed these children. And 
Yeah, some people felt like, why would he do that? Uh, because of Titleist Regis, he had claim to the throne anyway. There was no reason to harm these kids. But at any rate, they did disappear. Now, he was only king for two years. Right. And two years later, he was defeated in a battle by right. Henry the Seventh. By Henry the Seventh. Henry the Seventh, yep. And Henry the Seventh, in order to take his wife, so track me here, his wife was Elizabeth of York, who happens to be <laughs> the daughter of Elizabeth Woodville. Elizabeth Woodville being the mother of these boys. Right. Okay. It's all very intertwined. But in order for him to be able to marry her and not be bound up by this Titleist Regis nonsense, he abolishes it. He abolishes right. the whole thing. He has every uh, copy of the document that can be located destroyed. And there is no more Titleist Regis. So if the boys were still alive, he and his mother, Margaret Beaufort, would have every reason to also want to eliminate these children. It's like these kids had no chance. They had no, such they, a target on their backs. Yeah. Well, and I think especially because there were two of them, like you have two male heirs to the throne, like you've got the older one and then you have a backup like that's, mm -hmm. you know, it was always a big deal at the time mm -hmm. that this was all going on to have a male heir and they had two. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so we have all of this that has happened. And again, the, the boys haven't been seen for two years. Nobody knows where they are or what's happened to them. There are rumors that they had been separated and taken out to the country to live with various dukes and their families rather than keep them in the Tower of London. But there's no evidence of that whatsoever. No, nothing. Uh, it's just a rumor. Then later on, Sir Thomas More writes that the boys were suffocated, that they had been suffocated and killed by two people named Sir James Tyrell and John Dighton, oh, three men, and Miles Forrest. Yeah. Supposedly, Tyrell uh, confessed to the crime in 1502 when he was under sentence of death for treason for something else. He yeah. supposedly he claimed that he and these other accomplices did kill the princes and that they were under the orders of Richard III. But he was being tortured at the mm -hmm. time that he made that claim. So yeah. again, here we are with who the hell knows. Yeah. Because a so lot of people don't really take stock, don't take that for at its word because they were he was being tortured when he said that. Yes. So fast forward now to 1674. And in 1674, some excavation was happening in the Tower of London. Yeah. And underneath a staircase is found the skeletons of what appear to be two children. Nobody knows who they are. Obviously, they have their suspicions. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. the, those skeletons are taken and they are interred. Uh, at Windsor. And 
they don't do anything with them for 300 years. In 1933, some royal historians and scientists are, are allowed to examine the bones. And what they determine from their examination, and again, this is 1933, so they didn't have, you know, nearly the tech we have, but they had, you know, they had some tech, mm-hmm. whatever tech, what well, they didn't, but they, you know, they had their, <laughs> yeah. they, they had they their had, scientific process. Yeah. They were, yeah, they were, had been studying bones and were, you know, yeah. doing some things like that. One of the bones had dark spots that they felt like indicated that this uh, person had indeed been suffocated. They also determined by the size of the bones that they were certainly children. So that's pretty much what they got from it. They didn't even identify if they were male or female, unfortunately. No, they weren't able to identify if they were male or female. They, the problem with it, and and this was carried out by two gentlemen, Mr. Tannery and Professor Wright. The problem is that uh, other experts feel like they were setting out to prove that these were the boys. And basically there was, their process was flawed from the beginning because that was their goal was to just ah, say, yes, these mm-hmm. are the boys. So they, had so they did confirmation yeah. bias on it. Okay. They even in, in their uh, report had claimed that these two children, these people, these bodies probably died in 1674. Well, or no, I'm sorry, it's not 1674. That's when they were found. In 1483. <laughs> they probably died, yep, in 1483. And I, how would they, they just have known? They wouldn't have known that. Yeah. yeah they didn't have carbon so, dating or anything. So they didn't have any way to know that. Yeah. So there's kind of an issue there. But so now fast forward to 2019. And in 2019, there was there's been a really interesting uh, turn of events. There is a group and this group is called Revealing Richard III. Mm-hmm. And Revealing Richard III is a group of scientists and researchers that were looking for the remains of Richard III. And through using a bunch of historical texts and a whole bunch of research, they determined that Richard III was buried in England under a car park and actually were able to dig there and exhume his remains and prove his remains through. What have we been talking about? Familial, Familial DNA. DNA. Yeah. Oh, for the win again. How cool is that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So cool. So that happened. And of course, now he's been interred correctly. And, you know, but they knew that's who he was. and They've proved it. He actually has uh, direct blood relatives in Canada. Yeah. So that same group came back to the queen and said, or, you know, to to the English government and said, we would like to re-examine the bones. We would like to do DNA. We'd like to do carbon dating. We'd like to get a sense of, you know, see what we can figure out about these bones. And the queen said, no. Yeah. And everyone was so excited to take a look at these bones and apply their process and do the work. And she said, no. And it really stirred people up in the scientific community and the mm-hmm. historical community. Um, they felt Is like maybe this she was a Tudor cover up. 
Right. Is she covering 500 years in the making? (laughs) Right. What is she trying to Yeah, hide? Like, why is she doing this? So then there was a statement that was made in uh, about a month ago, two months ago. Uh, You know, she has repeatedly denied forensic access to these bones. And here's the reason why, according to her, uh, her peeps. Okay. <laughs> so according to her people, uh, hold on, let me get to it. Ended up with an article with way more pictures and stuff than I needed. Oh, okay. Part of the problem they're saying is that the bones, the carbon dating only, uh, is good for give or take 50 years. And so carbon dating the bones, even if they carbon dated them back to the 14-ish, 15-ish hundreds, they couldn't carbon date them clear to the date. They -hmm. they couldn't. Uh, They also couldn't really say for certain how these people died. And so that to, uh, yeah, this is what they're saying. Who is they, though? This is a lot of assumption being made. And mm-hmm. I wonder who wrote the statement versus these forensic investigators that are doing this work because right. I wonder if this any of that's actually secretary. true. The Home Secretary Michael Howard. Okay. He's the one that, that is saying this. Mm-hmm. So he's, the reasoning is that several historians claimed carbon dating a sample from the late 15th century would only be able to show the time of death within plus or minus 50 years. And Richard only occupied the throne for two years, between 1483 and 1485, before being defeated. It could not, therefore, differentiate between Henry III or Henry V, or another being the guilty party. Or Henry VII, sorry, being the guilty party. But they could still potentially use DNA to determine if these actually were these kids or not. I mean, they could still identify. If there's anything yeah. left DNA wise, but if there was for Richard the third, then I would think there might be for these bodies too. I mean, yeah. hmm. Yeah. It just seems suspicious. Like these are 500 just, year old bones. Like why not say, go for shit, do your thing. Right. You know, let's do it. Well, that's exactly why they don't want to actually. Part of it is that in order to, if they can get some, you know, DNA, they would have to have it something to compare it to. Which also means that they feel like then these researchers would ask to open other tombs in the abbey in order to uh, to track the DNA. They'd have to, you know, perhaps look at the DNA of their mother or their father. So they feel like this is a kind of a barrel of monkeys because if they, uh, you know, excuse a, a very probably American phrase, but you know, <laughs> that if they open, a, you know, if they allow this, then they're going to want to find some DNA that helps link these kids or the, the the bones to family members. So they would then be asking to open other tombs and they don't really want to do that. And then and start they, telling the family secrets. Yep. I mean, you think about what familial DNA has already done, letting yes. people know they're not actually related to their family. Like that case we did a while mm-hmm. back where there's a kid that was um, kidnapped you know, and, and family line is such a huge thing in monarchy yeah. that you might find out that nobody's where they should be. I mean, I think you're pretty likely to find out that a lot of people aren't who they think they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I can kind of see that, I kind of, but I also don't understand why wouldn't you yeah. just want to know the truth, you know? Yeah. Basically, their reasoning, you know, officially is that it just wouldn't, it wouldn't prove enough or accomplish enough to make it worth it. Also, if the bones are proven to be mm-hmm. the children's, then okay, they would put them back in Sir Christopher Wren's uh, urn. That's where they are currently. That's mm-hmm. where they'd go back to. If they weren't, then what do they do with them? Because then we don't really don't know who they are. I yeah, it's like a, it's Hi. why. I mean, it, why not? He does protest too much. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? To use a little Shakespeare, considering. Um, <laughs> I do. Yeah, it seems. I, I liked it. It was a nice touch. Thank you. <laughs> it just seems suspicious to me. Like, what's mm-hmm. wrong with knowing the truth? But obviously. You know, it's not the case so much now, but in the past, all these monarchies of all of these um, countries over there in Europe, and there was a lot of lying and cheating and spouse swapping and, you know, who knows who people really were or who Mm -hmm. they're really related to. And maybe it would affect Mm -hmm. the Tudor line and then they wouldn't really shouldn't have been in the shouldn't be the royalty now i don't know i mean how far back how are we saving our own asses here <laughs> yeah so i i, I it does kind of seem like that like that that's the worry mm-hmm. is what if this unearths something that is like hey the queen is actually not actually the queen you know right i mean does anyone care at this point i don't know i mean i'm an american no. i don't really understand this stuff like we didn't grow mm-hmm. up with monarchy and so it's different i know for the brits this is a big deal way bigger deal than yeah we would understand yeah. So please, uh, please comment and let us know. Yeah, you seriously <laughs> what, do. Because what you think about this. We're trying to tell the story the best that we can mm-hmm. without sounding like complete idiots. But we know that mm-hmm. we didn't grow up with this kind of history in our country. And so there right. are things that I don't really understand yeah. that I'm like, eh, it's 500 well, years and in ago. Truth, Why not all find of out? our ancestry? Yeah. All of our ancestry is English. Is and, European, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, nearly we are nearly 100% English and Scottish and Irish with a teeny bit of German uh, ancestry. But yeah, I mean, that's this is our ancestry, it is our heritage. Yeah, but, but we just we're, we're long removed from it. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but that's the basic gist of the story. So, there were people throughout the years, over the next 20 or so, 30 or so years, who did step forward and try to claim that they were one or the other of the boys. Uh, Again, there was no way to prove that or Mm -hmm. disprove that. And they were basically just ignored and shut down. And so nothing really. And and it would be convenient to do that because then you do something, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. So of course it would be easy to step up and make that claim and, you know, if you have enough people that support you and believe you, you could potentially overthrow the monarchy, but nobody uh, gave them that much support. So right. that's the story. So the questions really are, did Henry III or, or sorry, did uh, Richard III or one of his agents kill the boys? Did Margaret and her husband kill the boys? Did Henry VII kill the boys? Did the boys get killed in the tower? Are those their bones? Or are they, is this a complete coincidence? What do you think? What's your take? Okay, I'm just going to go for it. 
Um, my sense is that it is the bones, that it is, mm-hmm. in fact, the kids, that they were smothered. I don't think it was Richard III. I think it was Margaret mm-hmm. Beaufort. I think it was I Margaret agree. Beaufort. I think that she um, had the most access. I feel like she had a lot of plans for her son, and he ultimately did end up being the king. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that she was thinking way ahead on his behalf. Mm-hmm. I feel like it was her. I, I think Richard III mm-hmm. got a bad rap. I don't think that he had any designs to do that. I feel like he circumvented the whole thing a different way that wouldn't involve hurting his nephews because I don't think he actually wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, my sense of him is that he was not a murderous whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh, I do think that Margaret definitely wanted to see her family get up there into the throne and Mm -hmm. that she knew long-term that those boys were always going to be in the way of her son. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that it was her. And I feel like she may have, you know, enlisted the help of some other people to actually physically do it. But um, yeah, I mean, I I do. That's absolutely who I think did it. Mm -hmm. I agree entirely that that's my sense of it too. One thing I didn't mention is that the way that Henry took the throne was by defeating Richard in battle. Right. He killed him. Yeah, he did. And that's how he took over. And so his claim to the throne was quite shaky because he did it through, you know, through defeat uh, rather right. than through, you know, birthright. And so it does feel like something that could have been, you know, arranged over those kind two of orchestrated. Years. Yeah. A lot yes. of plotting, a lot mm-hmm. of planning. This feels very Game of Thrones-ish to me. You know, like there was right. lots of planning, like long-term, you know, you know mm-hmm. eventually this is going to put my family in power kind of thing. I, I mm-hmm. truly feel like that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. And that those kids were killed at that time when they, no one saw them anymore, that they were killed mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. And that that's where they've been this whole time. Mm-hmm. Very sad that their mother, you know, wasn't their guardian. Probably couldn't have been, you know, didn't uh, have those children in her custody, which, of course, uh, no, because they belonged to the monarchy, basically. But uh, at any rate, I'm sure she always wondered and and maybe didn't even dare ask questions, you know. And then, of course, uh, with Titleus Regulus uh, there for a couple of years, she was probably really. uh, Yeah, she was then, you know, basically a. I don't even know what the right word is because well, her marriage was probably yeah. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. And she she'd been the queen, the wife of the queen of the king, you know, like, yeah. she was the queen. And then that not only does her husband die, but her marriage is declared. Uh, yeah. Nullified. Yeah. But then her daughter <laughs> becomes, becomes the next the queen. queen. And so she just, also then, then regains a better, uh, Footing, I'm sure in society, but yeah. yeah, it's, it's really, it's a very tangled web without a doubt. So uh, we have done our level best to make sure that the facts that we presented were accurate and also understandable. I recognize, I feel like I need to have one of those, uh, you know, boards with the strings and the pins. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely. But now you can see why. This was uh, decided to be or has been called the uh, the first cold case or, you know, one of the most oldest and famous cold cases because yeah. it is. So it is. 
Yeah. I thought this was a really fun one to cover considering uh, how old it is and all of the twists and turns. So, and feel free to correct us in the, in the comments, do it kindly, please. We do not intend mistakes. (laughs) We're a little out of our league on this one, but yeah, I I really, 500 years of history. Yep. You know, honed down into a 40 minute broadcast. So yes, (laughs) I I have studied extensively, however. And so I'm hoping that I I think we're very close. I have read and read and read and and just sort of got myself turned around in circles, man. It is so much to keep track of. It is. And to understand like all the titles and what they mean and how that all Mm -hmm. of the progression of that. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, this was this was the dumbed down version for sure. Yeah, definitely. This was the Idaho version. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I, we got the gist of it. And I think I, I, I still am confident with the outcome, though. I'm confident I'm with, too. with <clears throat> the answer. Mm-hmm. I really feel like I don't have any doubt mm-hmm. that that's what happened and that that's who killed them. And that that mm-hmm. was the the that was the plan mm-hmm. was just moving people out of the way to give her son an opportunity. And, and he took it and he became the king. We know all of the steps taken to delegitimize uh, Richard III is are really interesting. One of the things that is said about him uh, by Moore and by Shakespeare was that he had some kind of physical deformity, right? Like like a hunchback or something. Mm-hmm. And historians say there's absolutely no proof to support that whatsoever. Well, and now they have like, their bo- his bones; they would know. Right. And, and basically what they've done is just uh, they were looking for various uh, ways. And apparently, you know, having a physical deformity would make him even more of a bad guy or undesirable. Well, you know, yeah, it would particularly in the monarchy, because that was a real thing because mm-hmm. of intermarrying. Yes. And so, yeah, I think that was a way to really delegitimize somebody. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah. So. There you have it. So, uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> so, of course, we will be back Wednesday night this week with uh, a case update live stream on mm-hmm. Wednesday evening at 8 p.m. Pacific or 8 p.m. Mountain, sorry. Mm-hmm. And then on Thursday night, we'll be back with the Psychic Hour also at 8 p.m. Mountain. So both of those are live streams. We'd love it if you guys come and hang out in the live and chat with us. It's a lot of fun. Definitely. And Go check out our website. You'll get more information about us there. That is truecrimeparanormalpodcast.com. You can suggest cases there. You can join our uh, mailing help list. Me. Say our it again. Email list. Our email oh, yeah. list. Our email list. No, that's not what I was thinking of. <laughs> our Patreon. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Sometimes this lack of thyroid in me just uh, sealed words. <laughs> it's, it's a black hole. It's an abyss. Anyway. You can join our Patreon if you want to get some extra content and support the work that we're doing. And yeah, and and then definitely come follow us on Facebook too, uh, Mm -hmm. True Crime Paranormal. So thanks you guys so much for being here. And again, we'll be back Wednesday night with a live. So join us there. You have been listening to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Take care. Bye guys. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can always like and subscribe there as well. We also love comments 
and reviews. True Crime Paranormal is hosted by Katie Weaver and Christy Brower and produced by Christy Brower. True Crime Paranormal is a short girl productions podcast.